Thank you for listening to the Pursuit Church podcast. This is more than a podcast. Pursuit Church is a movement to connect to Jesus and make a difference. If you need prayer or would like to financially support our mission, reach out to us online at PursuitChurchSA.com. Now grab your headphones and get ready to dive into this week's message. So here in the month of February, the love month, we've been focusing in on what does love really mean? You know, the world kind of has its definitions of love, but what we've been looking at here in the month of February, in the month of love, is what does God think about love? What does God say about love? And as our kind of base scripture, we've been in what's called the love chapter of the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, specifically verses 4 through 8. Let's read those again, just so we're back on that base scripture to start with. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says this, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, it says, never fails. In week one of this love series, we looked at love is forgiveness. And we learned how loving it is for us to learn to keep no record of wrongs. Then in week two, Pastor Karen showed us that love is kind and a byproduct of that kindness is compassion. She also reminded us that I'll remind us again today that love is not a feeling. It is shown in action. Love is something that we do. It's not just something that we say. Here in this last week of the love month, I want to draw our attention to today, today, to the part of the verse we just read that says, love rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. Truth. You know, the word, the, the word love has many connotations in the world, and so does the word truth. What do you think of when I say the word truth? When you hear the word truth, do you think of Oprah's truth, Dr. Phil's truth, the many voices in the world that tell you they are telling the truth, or maybe you've heard this one, just live your truth. Anybody hear that? Okay. Okay. Live your truth. I'm here today to remind us that there is only one real, unchanging, non-biased, not based on opinion, truth. And that is God's truth. It's the only one. So before we go any further, let me define what I'm talking about today. This is what truth really is. Truth is that which is consistent with the will of and the character of God. Truth is what is consistent with the will and the character of God. My friends, in a world of changing facts and opinions, one of the greatest, hear me, one of the greatest expressions of God's love that he has given us is his truth. Because God's truth is something that's not going to change. It's not subject to, to the whims of opinion. It's something that we can count on. Do you see why that is such a great gift? That's why it says true love rejoices in the truth. 
Real love rejoices in the truth. God's truth is not just a set of facts that are subject to someone's opinion. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, he had a lot to say about truth. In John 8, 32, Jesus said, the truth will set us free. In other words, what he's saying is real freedom will be found when we believe and we live out what is consistent with God's will and his character. That's where freedom comes from, the truth. And then Jesus said this in John 14, 6. I am the way. What's the next part? The truth and the life. Do you notice how truth is the bridge between the way to live and the life Jesus wants to give us? What's right in the middle? The truth. Remember, Jesus never said anything without intentionality. Jesus put the truth right in the middle of that statement, didn't he? You see, Jesus brought truth, and he lived truth. Jesus also brought love, and he lived love. He consistently modeled the character of his father in everything that he did. And so let me show you the base scripture we're going to be in today. It's found in John chapter 1, verses 14. And this is what it said. And the, it says, And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. It says this scripture tells us that Jesus came here with both grace and truth. And one way to describe grace is the undeserved love, part of God's agape love. Pastor Petey taught us about that last week. But grace is a form of undeserved love that we receive from God. John 3.16 reminds us that God so what loved the world that he sent his son because he loves us, not because we did anything to deserve it. Jesus brought both God's love and his truth with him. The two go together. The two of those go together. You see, when we find God's truth, you're also going to see his love. I want to spend the next few minutes relating a a couple examples from the life of Jesus about situations that he ran into and handled with both grace, love, and truth. I want to look at how he handled it, and then how can we handle it, right? What do we learn from that? And then what do we learn about how how to bring the truth with love, right? Turn with me to this first one. It's found in Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 and 26. And this is what it says. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. (laughs) Okay, Pastor. um, Well, I think I might be able to see the truth there, but where's the love? You really, you starting with that one? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to start with that one. Let me tell you why. I want to show you where the love is in that. You see, Jesus loved the Pharisees enough 
to not let them keep living in their false thinking. He loved them enough to not let them keep thinking in a way that was, what, it, what was the very first thing Jesus said? The sorrow that he knew it was going to bring them. He loved them enough to do that. One of the greatest acts of love that Jesus shows you and I is when he corrects our inaccurate views of him and of God, and he helps us confront the lies and the wrong thinking that our enemy brings. You see, in the book of Hebrews, it actually says that God confronts and corrects those that he loves. Hear me now. God corrects us because he loves us. He's not the God sitting on a throne waiting for you to screw up. He's the God waiting to show you how much he loves you so that when he sees you getting off course, he sends the Holy Spirit. By the way, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, by the way, in John chapter 14. We're going to look that up. The Holy Spirit testifies of truth. That's one of his functions. And so when God loves you, he corrects you and me. You see, here's the thing. If you ever want to be truly free, you must see God. We must see God as he really is. Not as we want him to be or not as we think he should be. Let me say that one more time. If we ever want to be really free, and Jesus said the truth will set us free, we need to see God as he really is. Not as we want him to be or not as we think he should be. See, the Pharisees were living and teaching others from a place of works and laws and rules, the old way of thinking. And here's the, here's the reason why Jesus, I believe, was so often frustrated by the Pharisees, because they were supposed to know better. You see, the Pharisees had studied from however 12 years old, whenever they started studying about a Messiah that was going to come. And here is Jesus, the Messiah himself, standing right in front of them, And they're acting like Jesus ain't come. Well, wait a minute. Are you acting like Jesus ain't come? Parts of your life that you're acting like, oh, Jesus, I don't know. He never showed up. I'm still living this. Come on. He loved the Pharisees enough to say, wait a minute, guys. I'm what you need. Not See, these these things that look good on the outside, they're not going to do you any good. Because I've come to give you real life. I've come to give you real truth. Wow, come on. You know, there's a word used to describe a belief that we, that we think is true. It seems to be true, but it really isn't. And that word is deception or being deceived. See, that's the, the problem with being deceived is you don't know you're being deceived. Right? You, you actually think what you're thinking is right. And that's what was going on with the Pharisees. They were like, what are you talking about, man? We're living all the laws. We're, we're looking good on the outside. We're showing everybody what to do, how to live, based on these 613-ish laws, right? And they thought that was good. They, they thought that was the way, they thought, again, they were deceived. They thought that's what they should be doing. Let me tell you my story of wrong thinking and deception, You know, I gave my life to Jesus when I was uh, 18 years old. And before that, I kind of knew about Jesus, but didn't really know him. Right? I grew up in a certain, you know, religious environment that was, you know, just go to church Sundays, do your thing, go home. 
But so I, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't really know him. I remember when I was 18, I was seeking God. I was seeking what, what, what is the truth? And so one night in my room, I remember it well, I was praying and calling out to God. God, just, just tell me what's right. I mean, Jesus, show me who you are. And on that night, I actually had just a, a wonderful supernatural experience. I, I, I received Jesus I, as my Lord and Savior on that night. I actually changed, you know, from just knowing about him to actually beginning to know him. And that sounds good, right? And it was good. It was good. Now, here comes the deception and the wrong thinking, though. Shortly after that, then I started going to church, different church, and it seemed like what I was hearing consistently in that church was it's more about what I have to do to get God than what God had already done for me. And so, see, the deception began to come in. Because, you see, you know, here's, this is why you got to know the word. This is why you, we have to know God's word. Because before that, I hadn't picked up a Bible in probably two or three times in my entire life. I didn't know what was in God's word. I didn't. And so I was easily susceptible to what sounded good but wasn't really true. What sounded good but wasn't really true. And the more I started going because it sounded good... I said, okay, well, yeah, this seems right. You know, you get to heaven, I got to do all these works. And, you know, it's about what I do, 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 much like the Pharisees were thinking. Right? It's about what I do. And, and I fell into that trap of deception based on not having the truth. And it cost me. For the next 20 years, I lived in that deception. Did you hear me? Don't wait 20 years to find out the truth. And it brought me the sorrow that Jesus was trying to warn the Pharisees about. You see, just like the Pharisees, I was living out of my deception that being good enough or keeping all the rules or doing enough for God was what it was about. And what Jesus was saying was, I'm the one who makes you holy and right, not what you do. Let me change you on the inside first, Jesus was saying. And then anything you want to do for me will be based on truth. Not just on what you think, you see. And then I remember the moment when I came to the realization that it wasn't about me being good enough anymore. It was about how good Jesus is. You see, I was at a different church then, a different place in my life. God had broken me in so many areas. My life was a mess. And I went to the altar on that day. And I just cried out to God. God, show me. Show me who you are. Jesus, show me who you really are. How many people know that God is faithful? God is faithful. Hear me. He met me right there at that altar with both grace, love, and truth about who he was. He met me right there. And my life has never been the same. That was 24 years ago. 
Now, I'm not saying my life's been easy, but it's been different. Did you hear me? When you surrender to Jesus, get out of this misconception that your life all of a sudden is going to be easy. (laughs) In fact, if you read the words of Jesus, he tells you quite the opposite. He says, look, get, get ready, buckle up. You're going to follow me. It's going to cost you something, but I will never leave you and I will never forsake you is what Jesus said. Yes, that's what he said. And so from that day forward, my journey changed to, to now trying to find out who God really is, what truth really is, what his word really says. And that's the journey that I've been on. I'm still on it right now. I'll be on that journey to the day I go to heaven. And I hope you will too. Here's two things, and write these down, because this, man, this is important. Two things I, I want to tell you about that. Number one, let Jesus show his love for you by allowing him to correct you. Let him show you by the power of his Holy Spirit the real truth, his truth, not your truth, his way, not your way. If you want to know where to find the truth, it's where it is, right here. His word is the truth. So, I told this to our men's freedom group the other night. There's no getting around this. There is none, right? And and, and my friends, you don't get this by osmosis. You get this by opening his word. You get this by showing up to church on a Sunday to hear the truth and the word of God preached. You get that by going to freedom groups and, and other healthy places where you're going to hear the truth of God's word. If you want a life of freedom, they are contained within these pages. Did you hear me? If you want real freedom, this is where you can find it. Wow. Now, here's the second thing I want to tell you today. When you want to show someone else the truth, remember that it is the truth of Jesus that you're trying to show them. When you want to show someone else the truth, remember it's God's truth that you're trying to share with them. Not your opinion, not your truth. And hear hear me on this. Do it out of love. Not out of anger. Don't go on a Facebook rant. Condemning everyone who doesn't see things the way you do. Uh, Just throwing it out there. Look. That first story that we read. I know it sounds like Jesus was kind of angry. And he actually was. if, If we're being honest, he was. He was. But what he was most upset about and what broke his heart is that he saw the sorrow. He saw the sorrow that was coming for them. And in fact, just a few verses later, in chapter 23, we see Jesus standing on a hill, looking over Jerusalem, and it says lamenting, weeping, deep sorrow, because they wouldn't listen. You see, Jesus went to them not because he wanted to show them how bad they are or condemn them. No, he wanted to show them, I love you. Listen to me. And when they didn't, it broke his heart. 
Now, you see, Jesus came to this earth full of grace, love, full of truth. You and I need to develop love. You and I need to. We didn't come full of it like Jesus did. So let me advise you to do this. When you want to correct somebody, weep for them first before you warn them. Reverse that order. When you want to bring truth to somebody, when you want to bring, even if it's correction, weep for them first. That will put your heart in the right posture. Because now you're coming at them from love and not from just, let me show you why I'm right. Let let, let me show you why you're wrong. Let Let me show you why you messed up. Do you see the difference? Mm, that hit me. God, God gave me those particular words. He said, learn to weep before you go warn somebody. Mm. Man. Now, I want to take you to another story because although love and truth can look like correction, love and truth can also look like care and hope. It's a story found in John chapter 8. And it's about a woman who had been caught in adultery. Maybe, maybe you've heard the story before. Jesus was teaching at the temple, and here's our friends, the Pharisees again, show up. And what do they do? They, they bring a woman who's been caught in the act of adultery, and they bring them before Jesus. And they say, Jesus, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. What are we supposed to do? You see, the law at that time said any woman found committing adultery was supposed to be stoned to death. It was a capital offense, so to speak. And when they came to Jesus, he didn't say anything at first. He just started, you know, kneeling down and he was writing something in the dirt. And he was doing that for a minute, a couple minutes, whatever it is. And I guess the Pharisees were starting to get a little agitated, like, hey, we asked you a question. What are we supposed to do with this, with this woman? Well, Jesus stands up after a few minutes looks around and says, okay, I'll, I'll tell you what we're going to do. The one of you that is without any sin, y'all go and pick up that first stone. Start, fire away. He didn't say anything else, went right back down. Drawn in the dirt. Again, you know, it never says what Jesus actually wrote in the dirt, either the first time or this time. But the second time, you know, I've, I've heard it said that, and, and, you know, it may be. Jesus was actually writing down the sins of everyone that was standing there. Let's see. John, you know, committed adultery last week. And Sally cheated on this. And I mean, whatever. Just, 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 just envision now. Jesus writing all these things. And one by one, something happened. Because if you go to John chapter 8, verses 10 and 11... This is how it's recorded after Jesus stood up the second time. And he said, and it says, Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. What was the message Jesus was sending her right then and there? 
I believe the core message here is one of care and hope. You see, the truth and God's grace showed up in the form of care and hope. Jesus was caring for this woman by loving her even when she didn't deserve it. He was loving her in her, in her sin, not because of her sin. Let's, let's clarify. Even, it says, the word says Jesus died for all of us while we were still sinners, by the way, right? We hadn't all repented. We hadn't said, oh, we're all clean. Now you can die for us. No, he died for us while we were still sinners. And he was loving this woman while she was still a sinner. But he also sent the message that no matter what she had done, there was a new beginning for her. That there was still hope. Please hear me. There is nothing that you have done. Nothing that you have done that Jesus cannot redeem. There is no sin you've committed that makes you too far gone. This woman, my friends, was on the very brink of death. She was on the very brink of being stoned to death. Have you, have you come to the very brink where you think, that's it. I, I messed up too many times. I have one too many sin. I have one, one too many mess up. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Jesus said, oh, God, I thank God we serve a savior of the second chance. And that day, that woman was sure glad she gave her heart to the Savior of a second chance. Jesus, full of grace, full of love, but also full of truth. You see, look at the last words that Jesus spoke to this woman. He didn't say, well, it's okay for you to just keep on sinning. It's cool. You know, I'm going to love you no matter what. You just keep on doing what you're doing. That's not what he said. Remember, Jesus full of love, also full of truth. And actually, I, you know, I just did this and, and, I, and I thought, wait, wait a minute, Bob. Why would you walk over here on one side? And, no, it's actually this. See, it's actually this. It's not, it's not either or. It's both working together. Oh, man. We got to get that grace and truth, love and truth work together. They're not actually opposites. They actually work together. Mm. Wow. Just like the Pharisees, he was sharing with her that the sorrow that would come. She was sharing with her that there would be sorrow that would come if she didn't learn to live out of the forgiveness that she just experienced. He said that because he loved her. He brought her truth because he loved her. Yes, he gave her grace. He gave her love, but he also brought truth. Remember the truth of that. Remember the love in that. Jesus did not condemn that woman, and he will not condemn you. When you come to him with a heart of repentance and a desire to live for him. Remember that for yourself, but also share that with others who need the love and care that Jesus brings. Jojo, you can come. My brothers and sisters, Jesus is not a secret. He is meant to be shared. Jesus is not a secret we keep to ourselves. Like, oh, it's just me and Jesus. Oh, we're good. No, we are meant to share him. Share his care, his hope, his grace, his truth, his love.
Well, pastor, how do we do that? How do we do that? Do you have to be, you know, have the gift of evangelism, be able to stand up like Billy Graham did or on a street corner? No, no, no. It's really very simple. Just tell others what Jesus has done for you. That's it. Yeah, come on. Come on. Just tell Jesus what, just tell others what he has done, how he, how you once were lost and he found you, how you wanted to give up, how you thought you were too far gone, how maybe you deserved one thing and Jesus gave you something else. Man, just tell somebody that. It says we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by Jesus, and this is in Revelation, and by the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome things. Wow. Never underestimate the power of your testimony. Your story may be just what somebody needs to hear, which is another reason why you ought to show up here Sundays. Because I guarantee, man, Pastor Karen and I have been doing this a long time. I cannot tell you how many times in the 20 almost years now we've been doing this that we've had ministry moments in hallways and in in lobbies and sanctuaries for this very thing. We shared with somebody maybe what God did for us and then we listened about what someone needed God to do for them. As much as I love the internet and all those things and, you know, streaming services, not that can't happen in a streaming situation. It can't. I'm telling you, your presence matters. I know people get sick. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm for invalids and, you know, people that can't come to church. Okay. I mean, I want to have a way to get the gospel to them, but don't ever underestimate the power of your presence. As we close our time together in your own life, let me remind you, let Jesus connect, uh, correct you with his truth when you need it because he loves you. And if you ever experience the sorrow that sin brings, let Jesus restore you and give you new hope because he is full of grace and truth. When you bring the truth to others, do it with love. Show them the truth of Jesus, not your truth, and tell them about how he has loved you. Would you pray with me right now? Oh, Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, and for who you are. God, we thank you for sending your son full of grace, a love we don't deserve, and full of truth. God, thank you for loving us enough to confront us when we're deceived so that we can live in the freedom that Jesus died to give us. And Father, we know that it is your truth alone that can set us free. Let us not ever take that for granted, Father. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, give us the courage and the humility to repent when we need to so that our sins will not lead us to sorrow. Instead, so that we can live the new life that we can find in Christ. In the mighty name.